Welcome to the MHI Cast, the show where we talk to the industry's best minds to uncover their supply chain stories. We explore real world case studies and get unique perspectives on key trends and emerging technologies from every corner of the material handling, logistics, and supply chain space. We're here at Modex 2020 in Atlanta, and I'm sitting here with Pat Davison, MHI's Director of Standards, and we're talking about the final 50 feet delivery. Um, before we get into that, Pat, how's Modex going for you so far? Uh, Modex is going really well. We're excited to be hosting the, uh, the event again. Atlanta's always been a great host city for us. Uh, exhibitors are, are pumped. They're ready to show off their solutions, and uh, the, the energy on the floor has been really good. Um, Pat, as MHR's Director of Standard, what what does your role encompass? Yeah, so my ro role encompasses a number of different things. I'm responsible for uh, MHI's suite of American national standards, as well as a technical advisory group administrator for uh, three different international standards technical committees. So these standards can cover anything from cranes to racks to uh, barcodes to freight containers to, to pallet and unit load design, um, really just uh, anything that that you might find in a material handling application warehouse, uh, there's probably a standard for it and chances are uh, I'm, I'm the administrator for it. All right. So today we're talking about the final 50 feet and can you describe really just as an overview what that means and what these challenges are that the final 50 feet of delivery is presenting. Sure. Um, well, really to understand the, the final 50 feet delivery problem, you have to understand the, the last mile problem. And the last mile problem is a logistics problem that states that the, the very last movement of a good or an item uh, before it reaches its, uh, the customer or the final destination is one of the most expensive moves in the uh, entire logistics cycle. Uh, there are estimates that, uh, that estimate that up to 30% of the shipment cost can be in that last mile delivery. So if you think about going from, you know, traditionally going from a distribution center to let's say a retail outlet, that last movement, it's generally a, uh, it's not a full case, it's something less than load, it's a uh, lighter delivery and it might be unscheduled. So the costs associated with that can be quite high. Now, in the role of e-commerce, uh, the, that problem gets exacerbated because that last movement is when the vehicle stops, the delivery vehicle stops, and the, uh, the driver is now taking that individual good or that individual order and, and taking it to the, the customer. Ish a problem associated with that in that we're now talking about the vehicle is stopped and the driver is taking that individual order to, uh, to the customer. There are some growing uh, issues or concerns with that, both in terms of where the vehicle is parked and for how long it's parked uh, as we're getting more urbanized and our uh, city centers are becoming more congested. There are fewer and fewer places for delivery vehicles to stop and park. With the rise of e-commerce, e we've got more deliveries uh, going, so we've got more vehicles fighting for uh, smaller and smaller space. 
And then there's the inevitable, pro inevitable problem that uh, the driver could be delivering the, uh, the order, but the customer isn't there to pick up the order. And if the order has to be signed off, instead of getting your order, you get a sticker. So uh, uh, all of these are, are really adding to or, or, or creating a situation that, uh, that we hadn't seen in the past, but is, is really growing as an emerging concern. So kind of the, the three main issues that we're seeing with this is there's cost to the company. Yep. There's the congestion that we're running into in city centers as more and more deliveries happen. And then also just actually getting the customer their goods. Um, is that about right? right? Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we are expecting faster and faster delivery times. And we want to see that order executed uh, and executed properly. So if... If the driver gets there, only to find that the customer isn't there and uh, they can't complete the order, well then now we've got uh, a instead of a convenience for the customer, we've got a pretty big inconvenience in that the customer now has to go figure out where they can go uh, to uh, to get that order fulfilled. You touched on this a little bit, but what's been changing? in the industry that, that we're talking more and more about the final 50 feet? Sure. Uh, it's a couple of things. It's really the rise of e-commerce. So um, uh, e-commerce is really dramatically changing or, or influencing material handling and supply chain uh, across the board as we, we move from uh, retail centers and customers expecting more and more things to be delivered to them. That's uh, it's creating conveniences, but it's also creating new challenges. Uh, secondarily, we're becoming a more urbanized society. So uh, as more and more people move in or closer to city centers, like I said, we've got uh, a congestion problem. Uh, it might be that uh, if we're in, say, a high-rise building, uh, the architect or the developer didn't take into account the need for a delivery vehicle drop-off area. Um, so, so things like that, uh, and, and plus just uh, increased traffic, increased uh, traffic density, all of these things, and, and adding more and more vehicles, more and more delivery vehicles onto the road uh, are, are really creating situations, especially in uh, really condensed urban areas, where we're seeing uh, some, some pretty dramatic problems. Okay. So we've, we've talked a lot about the issues. Mm-hmm. But... What solutions are companies beginning to adopt um, to overcome those challenges? Yeah. So one of the earliest or one of the simpler ones, it actually dates back, um, I, I just looked this up, the mailbox was first developed in 1858. And <laughs> yeah, no joke. Um, uh, you, you, a slight twist on a very old piece of technology, uh, the, the storage lockers now. Um, but you, uh, I'm sure you've seen them before. Uh, it's a device where you can, uh, where a delivery can be dropped off and uh, the customer can then activate or uh, unlock that, that storage bin uh, with a, a code on their phone. And if you think about this in terms of the 50-foot delivery problem being both spatial and temporal, uh, this resolves the, the temporal problem. So it, it's the case that the delivery vehicle or the delivery person and the customer don't have to be in the same space at the same time. Aside from that, we're seeing some conceptual uh, or 
you know, some, some proof of concepts rolling out, both in autonomous vehicles, potentially drones, and other technologies. Uh, like I said, this is still in the early phase, in the concept phase, uh, might be rolled out in, um, in selected communities. But at this point, we're, we're not seeing wide-scale uh, distribution or adoption of some of those technologies quite yet. Okay. So one of the, basically one of the easiest ways right now to solve that 50-foot problem is by having the, the consumer uh, kind of act on behalf of themselves and do part of the delivery. Yeah, but that's not really any different from what we've asked the consumer to do since the onset of stores. Uh, if you think about it, we have asked a consumer to go from their house to a store, get the items they need, and, and take it home. This is just a slight twist on that if you really think about it. Yeah. Um, so right now we're starting to see, you know, especially warehouses adopt robotics and automation, mm -hmm. and it's becoming more and more prevalent and just a bigger and bigger part of the industry. How potentially could those solutions transfer out into the delivery world um, to help solve these issues that we're right. facing? Yeah, so the good news about uh, warehouses and distribution centers is they're controlled environments. Uh, we don't have to worry about things like weather, um, traffic, dogs, <laughs> uh, you know, people, babies, uh, snow, sleet, bicycles, uh, any, any of those things. It's a controlled environment. So uh, we're able to execute things like uh, autonomous mobile robots um, in a warehouse to help move things around. Uh, we're able to use uh, you know, traditional industrial or collaborative robots uh, in ways to uh, to, to pick orders that uh, you know, just five or ten years ago uh, weren't going to be, uh, weren't really available. Um, my guess or my, my hypothesis is that we're going to use those controlled environments to uh, establish proof of concept or, or establish what works and when we see those things working in a controlled environment the the next logical step is to take those out into the world and see how well they work um, outside the warehouse okay I'll cut all this where I'm yeah <clears throat> hanging a little bit all right um, are there people doing interesting research on these these issues um, like I know that we discussed a little bit that there's some some folks in academia that are looking into you know what these solutions might look like. Can you talk anything about that? Sure. Um, so when we started looking into this this conversation, uh, you know, one of the first things uh, we go to as a resource now is Google. And uh, in looking at this, the University of Washington has done a pretty good job in creating a an entire research center around uh, this last 50-foot problem. And if you think about it, the University of Washington is a fairly logical place for this to take place. One, because it's in Amazon's backyard, and two, they can use the city of Seattle uh, as a test ground. So um, the, uh, the researchers there seem to be doing a, a, a really nice job at both uh, conveying or, or conducting research and then uh, filtering that research out into, uh, in, into the broader public in a way that's easy to understand. So mm -hmm. I, I think they're doing a really nice job. 
other universities, I'm sure, are doing uh, doing other things as well. But uh, yeah, certainly the University of Washington uh, is is leading the charge in this right now. Well, that's great. In in your mind, Pat, what do you think the ideal situation would be? Um, Let's put yourself in the consumer's shoes. What would the ideal situation be for getting, you know, the goods that you ordered? Yeah, it, it's going to be an ongoing problem, but um, it there's a you know, there, there's a hypothetical out in the industry that uh, at some point uh, a delivery agent is going to be able to to track you using uh, your phone or some sort of a wearable, so that the delivery can be executed uh, to where you are, not necessarily where you live or where you work. You know, as an example, I live in, in Charlotte right now, but if I needed something delivered to Atlanta, um, I'd have to make the added effort to identify where in Atlanta I'm going to be. Um, uh, in, instead of having something delivered to my home in Charlotte because I'm going to be here all week. Uh, so that's that's something that we're probably not quite ready for at this point, but uh, that is something that's probably going to occur in the foreseeable future. So no more stickers on your front door. No more stickers on your front door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, switching gears, Pat, so like we mentioned at the beginning, we're here at Modex. What are you most looking forward to this week? Uh, what am I looking most looking forward to this week? What I'm looking most looking forward to is the, uh, the the displays or the advents of automation technology. Um, in particular, uh, so uh, my back I, I've got a bit of a background in robotics, so it's it's an area that's always interested me, and uh, just to see the advent of um, let's say bin picking or uh, uh, collaborative robot op uh, robotic operations or uh, robots doing able uh, being able to do more and more things in an uncontrolled space is really something that's that's quite interesting and uh, you know, just having my the knowledge that I have when I worked in the the industry in the late 90s compared to uh, where things are today um, there's a whole bunch of technical uh, technological advances and those advances are, uh, are, at this point, they really have become mainstream. So it's interesting and kind of exciting to see that the advent of, let's say, the, uh, the compliant gripper companies or the, uh, the companies that, um, it, that have, were in you know, the dark phase startup mode uh, not too long ago uh, now have viable solutions out there and we're showing them on the show floor. So that's that's really exciting to see. You must feel like a kid in a candy shop walking the floor then. A little bit. And you know not only that, there's uh, you know a few companies out there that uh, that I've known from the onset uh, when they were just uh, two or, or three people in a uh, in a shared space. And now to see them, um, you know, taking let's say a, a twenty by forty booth at Modex, and you know, really growing up to become, uh, you know, sophisticated, uh, leading companies in the field is, uh, is is really neat to see. All right. Well, again, as we mentioned at the beginning, we're here at Modex twenty twenty in Atlanta. Pat, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. Oh, my pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this MHI Cast. At MHI, we never stop exploring new opportunities 
to help you take your manufacturing and supply chain operations to the next level of success. Thanks for making us part of your professional development journey.